0: Mobile Monger Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. Sarah Hoffman firmly believes in serendipity, and from the story of Green Dirt Farm, it's for good reason. Things just seem to have lined up perfectly for the life she has now, making sustainable sheet milk cheese in Missouri. It's not a path that many are led to. Sheet milk cheese is not an easy task to take on since sheep dairying is relatively new in the United States. Sarah gives us a rundown of what took us so long and why we aren't even really close to more U.S. produced sheet milk cheese. I love getting the opportunity to learn something new from the people I talk to, and I left this conversation more knowledgeable than I went in. I hope you get the same outcome.
1: Yeah, well, hi, everybody. I'm Sarah Hoffman. I um, uh, own and operate Green Dirt Farm, which is a small artisan cheese company in Northwest Missouri. Um, We started as a sheep dairy and uh, cheese making business back in 2008. And, um, uh, you know, things grew and we, you know, we're, we're really uh, loving what we were doing and making some really fantastic cheese Um, and uh, but discovered that uh, economic conditions made it really tough for us to be economically sustainable. And so knowing that we we really needed to obviously to be there and if we were gonna have any longevity in the business, um, we then uh, sought out some other dairies that could help us grow. So we source sheep milk from, from other dairies as well as our own. And we also um, more recently in the last five years have uh, begun to source uh, some really lovely uh, Jersey cow's milk from a local dairy. And we're making some blended milk cheeses too, to help us get to that sort of um, elusive business goal of economic sustainability.
0: the very elusive, especially when talking about sheep milk.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Um, so I had the opportunity to visit and it was wonderful and it was so great to see the sheep. Um, I would just love for you to talk a little bit more about the premise behind green dirt and sustainability and all of those things that are kind of the core of your business.
1: Sure, sure. So, when I started the business, I actually started the business in 2002, but I, I didn't know how to milk sheep and I didn't know how to make cheese. So then uh, that's the reason why it took us until 2008 to actually become a licensed cheesemaker. maker. Um, but uh, I started the business with the desire to create an environmentally sustainable small dairy on our farm in Northwest Missouri. And so that was really the... Um, the, the heart of the business was the the and the foundation was the goal to be environmentally sustainable, um, and uh, so and and that and that's the reason we call ourselves green dirt is that we we know that our soil is the the foundation for everything that happens on the farm, and so we really focus on making sure that what we're doing with our soil is. Um, as sustainable as possible and as environmentally friendly as possible. Supporting, you know, um, ecological diversity on our farm is super important. We even have a role of a a, a biodiversity manager on the farm who um, has a background in conservation biology and, um, you know, helps us to create plans that will sustain our firm and um, help us to grow in an environmentally responsible way. Um, so we started with that premise that we wanted to find the most environmentally sustainable way to do dairying uh, and to create artisan cheeses. And, um, and, and, but, but at the same time, we also wanted to create really fantastic cheese. Um, I'm I'm lucky in that I I have a background in um, an an undergraduate degree in chemistry, and that is a really good scientific foundation for cheese making. Um, And I also have a background in medicine. I practiced internal medicine for 10 years and had an interest in infectious diseases. So uh, you know, the microbiology was also a great underpinning and scientific foundation for cheese making, um, you know, that knowledge. Um, and then I also, coming at it from a, a different angle, have um, an aunt who uh, it was, was uh, very formative for me growing up, um, uh, and I was very close to who uh, owned her own cheese shop in the 70s, a gourmet cheese shop in New Jersey. And um, when I was in college, I would go there and, you know, help her put together her catering boards and uh, help her sell cheese. And she really taught me uh, all about um, good cheese, uh, uh, you know, in, a, in an unusual time in the US when it was really hard to find good cheese. Of course, most of the cheese that she had in her shop was European, but... Um, When I was in medical school in San Francisco, she would come out and go to the fancy food show and take me along with her uh, every year. And I just look forward to that so much. So that was really kind of a a real inspiration for me uh, in growing up and uh, learning about cheese. And I think it's even though I don't have this conscious recognition that. that there was any sort of stepwise progression towards becoming a cheesemaker, I I realized that all of those things influenced um, why I eventually became a cheesemaker and
0: why I love doing it so much. Sounds like a perfect storm to me,
1: really. (laughs) It was an alignment. We we, we like to say how much we love serendipity on the farm because so many things happen uh, on the farm through serendipity and that's a great thing.
0: Yeah. So the other farms that you work with, um, do they have the same level of sustainability? Are you working specifically with other companies that are in alignment with what you guys are doing?
1: Well, that that's a real challenge for us is finding uh, milk suppliers who uphold our same values. And we've been fortunate that so far they have. And um, it is still challenging, though. We are we're still looking for more uh, dairies to help us grow who have the same values that we do. So all of our partner farmers presently um, get the same certification that we do that sort of validates our our sustainable practices. That is a animal welfare approved certification from the organization A Greener World. And their their certification um, is terrific. I like to say for people who ask me, I, I frequently get asked, why aren't we organic? And I like to say that I think that the Uh, animal welfare approved certification is actually better than organic in my mind because um, the organic certification doesn't have very strong animal welfare requirements and but the um, but a greener world's animal welfare approved certification has strong animal welfare um, uh, guidelines and also um, or requirements actually not just guidelines we're required to have the uh, we're required to follow very strict standards for animal welfare, but they also have environmental standards that we have to follow.
0: Yeah. That's a conversation behind the counter that has had pretty regularly too of like, well, this company's not organic. Yeah. But they still do a lot of like better <laughs> if not, you know, so. <laughs> well, and considering that you're looking for other farms, um, Sheep milk also is just hard to come by in the United States. Can you talk a little bit about sheep dairying in the United States?
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, sheep dairying is a very fledgling industry in the United States. Uh, The first dairy sheep uh, in the United States were imported in the early 90s. And um, so that's not that long ago for an industry to get started. And unfortunately, very soon after the first few dairy sheep were imported, all importations for, for uh, further animals was shut down because of diseases in Europe. And um, that was not opened up until, oh, just about five years ago or so. We're, we're very fortunate. Um, and so what that did was, it for the dairy sheep industry, it made it really difficult for us to improve our the production of our dairy sheep and get them up to a, a standard that is uh, more sustainable like the like the European dairy sheep, and um, so it's only been recently that we've been able to to bring in new genetics and start building our building our genetic potential up to something that could could possibly be more um, economically sustainable for the dairy sheep industry. So because of that, <clears throat> there are very few dairy uh, sheep dairies in in the United States. Um, you know, primarily because it's just very, very hard going from an economic perspective. And so there are probably fewer than, than uh, I think I saw a statistic recently that said that there are fewer than 100 sheep dairies in the US, um, and probably fewer than 10 of us are actually doing our own processing on the farm, uh, like we do at Green Dirt. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's all because People are interested and people want to milk sheep and create those beautiful cheeses that sheep milk makes um, and yogurt. Uh, but the, the economics make it very challenging um, and almost impossible.
0: Yeah. So hopefully, in a couple of years, when we start to see more of those genetics kind of coming through and bigger pr- production
1: then yes. hopefully
0: that will even itself out a little bit, but exactly. yeah, we're
1: all, we're all hoping for that and, uh, and working towards that.
0: Do you also think that, um, one of, this is just a thought process that I have around sheep just because of my, like, I'm not a farmer. I've only visited farms, but every time I go visit, it's like cows are usually like a little timid, but still want to come and say, hi, goats are just up in your business always. <laughs> and sheep are always just kind of like, Hmm, not so much so do you think that maybe temperament has a little bit to do with why there weren't very many like sheep dairies until the 90s
1: no actually i I don't think that's true at all i think temperament with dairy sheep is something that is a positive benefit while they uh, i would say sheep in general are very um hyper vigilant and predator aware um, and that makes them a little standoffish with strangers. They also have have remarkable facial recognition for people and know people. So they, like I can walk in amongst our sheep without them being too terribly, you know, dismayed and, and frightened. But a new person can't do that. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we don't allow strangers to come in during our milking process. It's too stressful for them. But um, I actually think that The main reason, again, is the reason that we don't have dairy sheep in the US is is economic. I think that that dairying in general in the US was really uh, started as a commodity and business proposition from the the get-go. We didn't ever have a cottage cheese making industry, like I don't mean cottage cheese, I mean (laughs) a cottage industry making cheese like they did in Europe. Um, and they, we didn't, we never had those kind of ancient traditions that were handed down from generation to generation. And so, cheesemaking, when it did start in the United States, was all about business. It was all about making cheese and making it at scale. And, um, and the cow is the is the animal that's best suited to that. And it wasn't until even the '70s when people started. Seeing these cheeses from Europe and saying, "Hey, there are these fantastic tasting cheeses over in Europe. Why don't we have these here in the U.S.?" That anybody started to think about even goat cheese, for example, um, and and it wasn't until even later than that that people began to say, "Hey, what about the sheep milk cheeses of Europe? Those those traditional and and and, and you know very beloved." Uh, cheeses from Europe that are made with sheep milk. Why don't we have any of those here? And um, that's when I think, you know, the artisan cheese movement really had an impact on the variety uh, of cheeses that we make
0: here in the U.S. See, this is why I talk to the people who know, because like my experiences out on the farms are very different from people who are doing it every day. Because to me, every time I go out to a sheep farm, they're always like, the sheep are like, no, I don't know you lady, stay stay away. I don't know who you are. And that's fine. I can respect that, but (laughs) it's very different than when you go to a goat farm and they just want to be up in your business and see who you are. So,
1: well, I, I have a really interesting perspective, um, on, on sheep because I, I have, uh, experience with probably the most, uh, domesticated sheep. Breeds which are the dairy sheep because they get handled so much, and the least domesticated of the sheep breeds in the U.S. So we, when we started in 2002, I started with the brilliant, not brilliant idea of crossbreeding dairy sheep with uh, a a a landrace breed in the U.S. called the Gulf Coast native, and I thought, well, this is a great idea because. The Gulf Coast native is so hardy and so disease resistant, and they're they're one of the one of only two pick, uh, breeds of sheep in the world that are known to be parasite resistant. And um, so I, I thought, well, I'll just crossbreed them, <laughs> and that turned out to be a, a completely kooky idea, as many of mine have been, um, because the the Gulf Coast sheep is basically a feral sheep. It was, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating breed. It was released by Spanish conquistadors off the coast of Florida and Louisiana and uh, all along the Gulf Coast and let it, let just go wild in the Pine Barrens. And over the course of 300 years, they became more feral and that's how they became parasite resistant too. It was very much, you know, survival of the fittest. And, um, but uh, you know, uh, little did I know, it's foolhardy to try to milk a wild sheep, you know, and and those sheep, they're, they're small and compact and really tough, and I swear they can fly. They, you know, they can, like, (laughs) sail over any fence, and, you know, they, they'll jump right into you to get away from you. (laughs) It's like, you know, uh, it, 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 I uh, had it demonstrated, um, quite often that it was crazy to try to uh, milk a feral sheep.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, feral sheep are good at getting away from things. So I guess
1: (laughs) they are very hardy. I can say that. (laughs) But compared to, but but compared to a Gulf coast sheep, dairy sheep are incredibly tame. They're, you know, they are very, very easy to handle and, um, you know, very willing to uh, let, people they know approach them.
0: So that was at the beginning have like, how many years did you do that? Or oh, try to I, do that?
1: I did that for about four years before I completely gave up. On
0: it. <laughs> You're like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a really bad, i guess.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we all have to learn a lesson somehow, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Believe me, if I uh, starting a business like this, I learned lots and lots of lessons.
0: I'm sure. Um, so Green Dirt has the farm and then you guys also have a cafe um, in town. Can you talk about the cafe a little bit?
1: Yeah. So in 2016, um, we I knew that we needed to grow because we were, we were having space issues out at the farm and we didn't have adequate room to uh, do our delivery for our e-commerce and do our shipping. And I had been looking for a place where we could Expand to, and it just happened that um, this building came became available, and uh, that's that's very near the little historic tourist town that our farm is nearby. So it's about four miles away from the farm. It was the building was originally built to be a winery, so it was really pretty well set up. It had a very huge uh, and nice basement that was meant for wine production, and we do all of our orders. Um, and fulfillment out of that basement. Uh, uh, And then we have a um, uh, a shop upstairs in in the front, which was originally just gonna be like just a little grocery kind of cheese shop. And and we share the space with a a local winery that's making really um, fascinating wines with uh, North American uh, indigenous grapes. And so we were just going to be, a, you know, a little a kind of touristy um, grocery store, but we found that our our menu items were really what people wanted, and we began to sell sandwiches and cheese and charcuterie boards, and that's really what took off and what customers showed us they wanted. So now we're a kind of a full scale cafe um, selling sandwiches and cheese and charcuterie boards, all of those things featuring our our own cheese, but also. Um, other local small batch food makers, local and regional small batch food makers who make charcuterie and um, jams and jellies and, uh, and um, natural ferments and chocolate and honey and um, pickles, all kinds of fun foods.
0: Uh, I went it was awesome and the board was amazing and I could see so many people just being like really interested to go be like I'm gonna go get a glass of wine and a cheese board like I could see that being like ideal for that area
1: yeah perfect combination yeah more
0: serendipity (laughs) gotta love it yeah so let's talk about the last two years and how COVID has affected your business
1: well um Actually, when, when COVID first happened, um, I was devastated and thought this is, this is for sure gonna be the end because how are we gonna survive this? You know, Shutting down what is basically the economic engine of our business was our, was our little cafe. And, um, and also a lot of our cheese is sold to food service. And so lots of restaurants were closing down and our orders plummeted and our and you know we were shut down for a, a month and a half in the in the cafe. Um, but I, you know, I had so many people working for me that I felt a very strong sense that I needed to be there for them and make sure that they were able to get through it. And um, our cheesemakers came and lived on the farm because during the, during our lockdown here. And um, that was fantastic, their, their willingness to keep going and to stick with it was also a fabulous thing. And once we got through the initial lockdown, we found, and we were able to open up again, we found that our shop was uh, positioned really really well because we had so much outdoor eating space with picnic tables more serendipity um little did we know how much we were going to need that but it became a place where people felt really comfortable coming and we actually grew 30 percent um we had our, our 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 loyal customers um rallied around and purchased cheese online from us and um even though we lost a good deal of our, um, of our restaurant uh, customers, um, our, our um, wholesale, other wholesale customers in grocery stores picked up. So we ended up being, we ended up actually growing during 2020, which was a, a, a tremendous surprise. You know, we uh, did not expect that. Um, and it, it was a, a great
0: thing for us. That's great to hear. It's so nice to hear it. Um, You know, I was having these conversations right as lockdown kind of started happening and people were in that mode of like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out about this because, you know, 70% of our sales is gone almost overnight. Um, And it's so much better to talk to people now, like with a little bit of hindsight of kind of like how that is specifically right at the beginning with a little bit of hindsight in that moment of like, Oh my gosh, this is the worst thing to ever happen. And now to see people doing pretty well. Yeah.
1: I know I don't want to say, you know, that I feel good about the pandemic. That <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah. but I, you know, we're, I, I, I feel good that our, our, um, you know, we were able to hold it together and our great team of employees stuck with us and, and stuck through the pandemic with us. And, um, you know, I just, um, am incredibly grateful for that.
0: Y'all make some pretty, uh, young cheeses. So was that an issue with you as the lockdown kind of first started? Like, were you guys able to kind of adjust your making schedule to harder cheeses or, um, how was that for you?
1: Yeah. Well, so, um, what really happened with that is that we—I'm uh, trying to actually remember what happened with that.
0: We no, it's getting so up, long ago now. Almost. We,
1: we ended up calling some of our distributors and saying we're sitting on a lot of extra stock. Can you take it? And some of them said yes, wonderfully, you know, and said yes, we'll we'll sell this for you. So we moved through that, and then we began, as you suggested, to make the cheeses that we could stockpile. But it, it became pretty quickly apparent that we didn't need to slow down our cheese making, um, uh, last year. Um, in fact, we, we didn't slow down our cheese making at all. We, we made more cheese. So that was a good thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially as a farmstead producer also, you know, that milk kind of keeps coming whether you like it or not. And if you have contracts with other farms that you want to keep supporting them and making sure that they're getting rid of all of their milk too. Cause it's, you know, it just doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is so true. So you already had like an e-commerce all set up. with Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that was, a another, uh, sort of revelation, which is that, um, we've had e-commerce set up since I think 2010 and, um, you know, we've had we've gone through various iterations of trying to sell online, and you know, a variety of uh, trying a variety of tactics. And as of last year, I was sort of thinking, why are we doing this? You know, it's 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 not really working that well, um, and so I was almost. Uh, you know, I was, I mean, let's give it another year and see how it goes after, you know, a lot of years of trying to make it work, because it's just very hard to compete with, uh, with the big guys, you know, in e-commerce. And, um, and so I thought it w- it really wasn't a very successful business uh, strategy for us. So I was thinking very seriously of, of pulling the plug on it, really. And, um, and then, COVID hit, and it turned out to be a real lifesaver for us because, um, you know, like I mentioned before, many of our, our, uh, very local and, um, uh, loyal customers, uh, sent care packages to their friends and family and, you know, birthday gifts. And it, and, and, and it was a wonderful way for us to reach out to the community and be part of the community and, and, and get cheese and, you know uh, um, you know, comforting and delicious goodies to our, our families and friends at that time. So, um, and then in our e-commerce really took off and and helped us a lot get through, uh, the pandemic.
0: It's all about that serendipity again. I think you were just really (laughs) ahead of the curve on that one and it worked out. So that's great.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, when I was there, we were talking about some fun stuff kind of coming up for Green Dirt. Can you talk about anything yeah. that you're working on?
1: Yes, well, uh, we are hoping to bring our cafe concept down to Kansas City. Uh, we have so many customers who come up to the farm and uh, we do events on our farm too. We do dinners and cheese tastings uh, in a in a in uh, uh, an events barn on the farm. Um, and, and so many of our customers who come to the cafe and come to our events, you know, want to know, well, when are you going to come down to Kansas city so that we can come and get cheese more often. And so, um, we're, we're hoping to bring the concept down to the East crossroads next year, sometime working hard on that.
0: Awesome. That's big stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it'll be really fun. We'll have a, a production space there and customers can, uh, view, look into the aging room and the production space, uh, from the cafe. So I think it'll be, um, a, a really fun thing for
0: customers to come in for our guests to see how the cheese is made. Educational and interactive. We love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here in Seattle, we have beaches where people can watch right. cheddar being made and then they can go eat it. And it's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a draw. It's a huge draw.
1: Yeah. Well, that that was a lot of my inspiration. I've always, when I've been in Seattle, uh, I used to live in Seattle, actually. Um, I went to, I did my internal medicine training at the University of Washington um, and lived in Seattle for seven years. Um, and Beecher's, and so I get I get back regularly and Beecher's was a real inspiration for um, us to have a way for people to see into our cheese making.
0: I feel like when you... Um have lived in Seattle for any amount of time there, you're always going to come back occasionally because oh, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not from here. I grew up in Oregon, but um it's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in. And yeah. every time when I'm driving down into, cause I live on the North side, but every time when I'm driving into the city, I'm like, this is why I live here. Cause it's so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Well, whenever we come back to visit, we always try to come back during, uh, august september or october (laughs) and whenever we come back to visit we're like why'd
0: we move (laughs) (laughs) because you know the good months of being here but rainy season has already started here so you know (laughs) that's probably why (laughs) (laughs) uh okay a few more questions for you these are kind of my like speed round ish sort of questions uh what's your current cheese crush oh
1: well, I have a, a, quite a few, and um, but I will always come back to Red Hawk from Calgary Creamery. I absolutely adore that cheese. I also love Poshki Sir, which is a um, Croatian sheep's milk cheese, which is, um, I mean, just one of the best cheeses I've ever tasted in my life. Um, and I was fortunate enough to take a uh, cheese making class through the University of Wisconsin with the Croatian cheese maker who taught us how it's made in Croatia. And that really uh, inspired our Prairie Tome recipe. Um, so that's that's my, uh, a cheese that I will always, always come back to. I love the thistle-renative cheeses of Spain and Portugal. Those are um, one of, as a towel is, if I can get my hands on that, I love that cheese. Um, uh, what else is a cheese crush for me right now? Um, mm. Well, our own cheeses, of course. Well, of
0: course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you kind of nailed that question with like, do you have some deep crushes? I love that. I, <laughs> I get a little starry eyed too. So I'm always like, I don't know which one. What are, <laughs> there's so many. It's hard to choose. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> what cheese don't I like? <laughs> Um, what is your favorite pairing?
1: My favorite pairing. I, this is a really, really standard, like classic pairing. And it's kind of trite because everybody knows it and loves it, but it's, it's really, really good is, um, a good Stilton and port. I mean, so good or Stilton and, um, uh, Sherry. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, really, really good. I think that, you know, the classics, there's a reason why they're classic. Mm -hmm. They're just really good. So
1: I I do love that. Um, uh, I also, you know, so I also love our washed rind cheeses with champagne. Um, That's a fantastic, especially our tuffet when it's in season with champagne. That's just a a really, really good pairing.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your best food memory. Oh, my best food memory. Mm, So many, (laughs)
1: Uh, you know, one of my best food memories was when I was a kid, when, when, when I was growing up, uh, I was, my dad was in the Navy, but, and we, so we moved like every couple of years, but, um, we always lived on a small farmstead. Um, and sometimes actually, my dad actually had little farm businesses on the side, and um, so we always raised our own food and had lots of animals on the farm, and of course that was naturally an inspiration for me wanted, to want to do this business, um, but uh, one of my really formative memories is of going out into the garden and just picking vegetables off the vine raw and eating them right there, like I a tomato off the vine from your garden, there's nothing better than that. There really is nothing better than that. It's so delicious. When it's and it's still warm
0: from the sun. And oh, like, yeah, yeah,
1: Right, exactly. And all that flavor. And I can remember uh, when I became an adult and moved out of the house and no longer had access to that kind of Flavor and that kind of uh, experience—how disappointed I was in grocery store vegetables, you know. I just—it wasn't the same. It really, it really did inspire me to want to, um, you know, have live on a farm and and grow all our own stuff like I did when I was
0: a kid. Yeah, it sounds like you were made for this life. So,
1: <laughs> thank you very much for having me. Uh, it was. Lots of fun. And it was great to see when you came out and uh glad you stopped by.
0: Yeah. I'm so happy I did too. And thank you so much for the hospitality. It was so nice to get a chance to connect. And that was still like really early on in my trip. So it just felt very exciting. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's people and like cheese things happening. And uh, it was, I felt really good. And I just thank you for that.
1: Oh, well, thanks for stopping in. It was great to see you.
0: visit the farm and get a first-hand tour of the facilities and was presented with a gorgeous platter of Green Dirt's delicious treats. I'm excited to see the growth that's on the horizon for this hard-working crew. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram and Facebook. I post full video recordings over on Patreon and would love to hear about topics or people you think need the spotlight. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curd.